More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome into the second hour of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. We've been talking a lot of politics today. This is politics, but of a slightly different kind or in a different venue than national presidential aspirations and Senate and congressional seats. As you know, we've talked about it here on the show, Harvard President Claudine Gay stepped down from that role, and she stepped down after two things happened. One, a universally, uh, I think, considered disastrous response to her testimony about anti-Semitism on campus. Notably, she was asked by Elise Stefanik, who I will say people are also talking about as a Trump VP, but put that as a side, put that aside. Um, people are saying, uh, but Elise Stefanik, uh, was asking Claudine Gay, about anti-Semitism on campus. It did not go well. As you know, Claudine Gay said that calling for the extermination of the Jewish people would be a violation of Harvard's community standards, depending on the context. And everyone sort of understandably said, wow, this is a campus that um, demands proper pronoun usage. This is a campus that demands that you um, obey the dictates of affirmative action, but never speak about lowered standards in affirmative action. That one, I think, particularly uh, hitting home these days. So Claudine Gay Clay, she steps down um, after not only the testimony, but also the plagiarism. I, I, everyone keeps saying allegations. I don't think they're allegations. When you've published something and someone else published something else that you've stolen beforehand, we, this isn't a criminal matter. She doesn't, she's not entitled to a presumption of innocence forever. There's no court that's going to adjudicate this. She plagiarized a lot. Yeah. We know this and had a deeply unimpressive record as an academic, even without the plagiarism, which is why I think it was untenable for her to remain in her position. Okay. Why, why is this now in the news again? Or why is this worth us spending some time on again? Bill Ackman, who is a left of center hedge fund billionaire. Uh, and Harvard alumni was understandably rather annoyed at the testimony of Claudine Gay and then also um, pushed 
for her to step down. Um, in response to this, and he was very vocal as well about the plagiarism issue that she had. In response to this, now I want everyone to just get ready for this because you may not have heard this. A publication, a, a which is like Politico but for business, as in a left-wing uh, hatchet job kind of site, Business Insider, ran a story on Neri Oxman, who is Bill Ackman's wife. And they ran a story saying that she plagiarized her Ph.D. thesis or parts of her Ph.D. thesis. Now, I've actually looked into this a little bit, Clay, and what they're saying is plagiarism. In some instances, she cited the source in the work, but she's missing a quotation mark. These are instances where you could say, at least in some of the cases, um, this is... Uh, an error instead of theft. That is possible in plagiarism cases, right? If you put a quotation mark in one place but not in the other and you cite it in your bibliography uh, properly, you know, it's a typo. It's not actually someone intending. That doesn't mean you shouldn't correct it, but it's a typo. Okay. But what this shows us, Clay, is that the left is so incensed that the DEI apparatus has received, you know, it has been Rufo'd. Christopher Rufo has been victorious here. The DEI apparatus has taken such a big hit that they will now go after the wives of people, the spouses of people outwardly involved in trying to advocate for standards and, and, you know, basic ethics at Harvard University. I think people have seen the underside of the left here in a way that is, uh, illuminating. Yeah. This in general, if, I've always kind of liked the mafia standard, which is if you are a wife or kid of a mafia member, you're off the, off the table, right? Like even the mafia made the decision that they were going to leave families alone. Now, if your son goes into the business, then you could, that son could be a target too, right? Like once you become an adult and decide to enter into the business, and I would imagine they didn't really have a lot of women involved in the mafia, but if there were women, you know, who were heads of families and things like that, that would be different. I kind of think that should be the rule in general. Now, if somebody's, uh, uh, gets involved, a spouse gets significantly involved, and wants to kind of Greta Thunberg style. I don't think you should be able to remember when Greta would like say all sorts of crazy stuff. And then if you attacked her or disputed her, people she's would say, a child. she's a kid. What are you yeah, doing? That right? was horrible. Like, you yeah. can't use your, uh, that as a shield. I don't think that's fair, but the reason why Bill Ackman's wife was targeted had nothing to do with her and everything to do with him. And that seems particularly nasty to me. Now, he turned the tables on him. Yes, I was gonna say the next, this the, the is next the part, stage of this. Yes, the next he, stage. Fill he, people so in he's for a billionaire. He's a billionaire who has obviously very, very substantial resources at his disposal, and part of uh, his hedge fund business is having people who are very good at research. Right? If you're going to be putting a hundred million dollar bet on a biotech stock, or that the S and P is going to go up, or whatever. Yeah. You want very smart, very meticulous researchers to be able to pull together the best possible analysis. He has turned some of his uh, analytic heft now to look at, because the, the belief is that MIT, the institution, 
colluded effectively with the media, like someone in the upper reaches of MIT, which is another place where the president, right, it was MIT, UPenn, and Harvard. The only uh, president so far to survive that testimony yes. and keep her job is the MIT president. MIT is where Neary Oxman, his wife, uh, uh, Bill Ackman's wife, got her Ph.D., that someone there decided to work with the media to run a story on his wife that she's a plagiarist to effectively, you know, take down the Ackman, uh, you know, take Ackman down a, a peg, so to speak, given what's going on here. So now what he's doing is he's saying, oh, okay, I'm turning my research team on MIT faculty and MIT graduate uh, programs. And we're, cause now with AI, this is the thing everyone has to understand. It used to be a painstaking and really almost a, really an impossible process to be able to find plagiarism unless it was egregious and obvious, right? You know, so, um, when, you know, if the professor of Harvard, or rather the, uh, the president of Harvard, writes, you know, what a tangled web we weave when first we, you know, people would be like, wait a second, like, I've heard that I don't think you before. just came up with that. I don't think yeah. you just came up with that. Um, but now with AI, you can find this stuff very easily. Basically, for people who don't understand how it would work, you can cut and paste an entire article, plug it into AI, and ask AI to search and see if they're similar language, right? That's basically what they're doing in many respects. Yeah. And, and here's the, the truth of, now remember, uh, college campuses are roughly, certainly at the, at the, um, elite admission schools. That doesn't mean the student body is actually elite for a whole bunch of reasons, but at the places that take a smaller and smaller percentage of applicants, the academics there are almost all very left wing. I mean, 97, 98, 99% at some of these places. You're not allowed to be a conservative, you're not allowed to be a Republican. So it's really, it, you know, it's sort of turned into open season on plagiarism finding here, uh, among the, among the academy and the staffs at these universities. And Clay, what's, I think, I think that people are going to realize if they push this issue that higher edge, you know, the, the highest reaches of education, cause there's all this pressure to publish all the time and everyone yeah. thought they could get away with it. It is full of plagiarism at the top echelon. I think you'll see that there's plagiarism all over the place from tenured professors at the elite schools, and you might see a particular concentration of it among DEI hires. Well, I, I think that's true. It's also going to show you how worthless most of these articles really are. And that's maybe what stands out the most. It's very hard in many of these disciplines to actually have an original thought because a lot of these people are just, they're going to get in line and they're just going to parrot whatever they need to say to be able to get the next degree and so I think you're right. I, I think what you're going to see is there's very little original thought, and the vast majority of these papers, I mean, th this is, I do think, worth circling back on. In her entire academic career, Claudine Gay published 11 articles. Think about that for a minute. This woman has been working in academia for her entire life. How old is Claudine Gay? Like 45, 50 years old? I mean, something in that neighborhood, I would guess. And she hasn't ever even published a book. 11 articles? I mean, I, when I saw that and that, that, that she was the president of Harvard, my jaw dropped. I, I obviously don't know the resume of very many professors in general. But to have never even written a single book and have risen to the level where you are 
the president of Harvard, her scholarship, just the level of work that she had done was almost non-existent. And yet she had ascended to the most prestigious position in all of American academia. And I think this is where, for Bill Ackman's a good example, Buck, I think there's a lot of people out there that have had success in life and they just work so much on their own life and then they got their families and everything else that they really don't pull their head up and look around and see what the world has created. And I think there are a lot of people inside of businesses, founders and whatnot, who are so maniacally focused on growing their business that they're not paying attention to what their HR department is doing or what the larger corporate bureaucracy inside of their businesses are doing. And I think they've been stunned. And this October 7th response has been eye-opening for them, where they suddenly ask the question, how did we get here? And they're recognizing the paucity of achievement of many people that have attained the highest echelon jobs in this country. And I I would say it's not just academia. Look at the Biden White House. Look at Kamala Harris. I think a lot of people are saying, what has she actually ever done that would get her to the vice presidency? This is also where, and this is a, this is going to be an ongoing conversation, and it's one that's going to get people very emotional. It's going to be very tense. Um, but it is going to happen, and I think it is necessary for it to happen in a post-Supreme Court striking down affirmative action and admissions America. It is now more, um, I would say more appropriate may not be the right term, but it, uh, maybe more necessary than ever to ask questions about, okay, so where did we decide that for uh, superficial diversity of skin color, ethnicity, gender identity, whatever it may be, where did we decide that we were going to change standards in a way that might have really negative, you know, it's one thing to be the president of Harvard and to not be good at your job. It's another thing to be a brain surgeon or to be a pilot on an airplane. And people are, are, are asking the very understandable question right now. Hold on a second. If we were taking people, you know, if you had a 90% chance of getting into Harvard with a certain grade point average and a certain SAT score, if you were, um, black or Hispanic, but a 5% chance of getting in if you were, you know, like a, a white non-legacy, which these are the kinds of numbers we're talking about in terms of how powerful it was to get in. Um, what does that mean for not only graduate programs, but for things like surgical residency, air, you know, airline pilots? I mean, things where if you mess up, people die. Yes. There I, are... I think it is only fair to ask the question and people don't want to address this. But, you know, there's, there's been some concerns recently with how the FAA is doing. There's been concerns recently with how, uh, you know, with, with pilot training and, I mean, I, I know because I hear from people that they're changing pilot training to make it easier because they have also changed the incoming classes of pilots to make them more diverse. This is what is going on. There are certain jobs where I honestly think a uh, a, a mildly intelligent, daft imbecile could do them. Some of you may be saying, yeah, I listen to the radio show. I was going to say radio shows. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, and it doesn't matter. Right. And I think there are a lot of those jobs, maybe even 90 percent of jobs in America. The overall talent of the person doing it doesn't make that much of a difference. But I don't know anybody who has ever had to go in for surgery or have a family member go in for surgery 
or anybody who has ever walked on an airplane that doesn't think for a moment when they walk on, I hope this is the best doctor or the best airplane pilot on the planet. And you're right. If we're finding all these failures in jobs that, let's be honest, don't really matter that much in the grand scheme of things, when your life is on the line, how many of us are risking it just so they can have cosmetic diversity? I'm sorry, but I, I, I don't care what ethnicity, what skin color, what religion, what gender or gender preference or whatever somebody is. You know, if I'm going in for, for, you know, emergency surgery after a car accident, I don't want somebody who got a 474 on the MCAT. I, I, that doesn't make me a bad person. All I care about, I would even take it a step further. I don't care if you're a good dad. I don't care if you're a good mom. I don't care if you're a good person. I just want you to be a badass doctor. That's all I care about. And you know what? I think almost everybody is of that opinion. Maybe Mark Cuban would rather die. Maybe he's so committed to this woke ideology that next time he has any medical condition, he has to get wheeled in and they have a cosmetically diverse doctor who can kill him. Maybe that's what he thinks is necessary. That's kind of where we're going with this woke lunacy is you have to die for your political belief. Uh, you know what? I, I want to tell you guys right now, everybody's trying to save money. And if you are overspending on your cell phone bill, and I bet a lot of you are, as we start off 2024, maybe your family resolution was, hey, we got to cut back. We got to save some money. Prices have gone up everywhere. We can't go out to eat like we used to. Uh, mortgage rates have skyrocketed. Car payments, the in, uh, interest rates on those loans, all of it has gone up a great deal in this Biden America. I'm trying to save you some money here and you can save with pure talk right now. Same level of service, but you can save 50 bucks a month or more thanks to unlimited talk plans at pure talk. That started just 20 bucks a month. Great cell phone coverage on America's most dependable 5G network from Pure Talk. This is how the average size family can save a thousand dollars a year. How much difference at the end of the year would a thousand dollars in your pocket mean for you and your family? Uh, and you can also sign up with a company that shares your values, isn't afraid to invest in programs like ours. Pure Talk veteran owned keeps jobs at homes and using your cell phone. Here's how you get hooked up. Dial pound 250, say the keywords Clay and Buck, you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Pure Talk's U.S. customer service team standing by today to help you. Dial pound 250, say the keywords Clay and Buck to be connected now. Again, pound 250, say Clay and Buck to start off the year saving on wireless with a company you can be proud of. That's Pure Talk, pound 250. Learn and laugh. Weekdays with Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality 
podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of us. We're figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it it would have been been juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Continued to talk during the break. I'm scared about... This hiring in particular as it pertains to pilots. If there's one thing you want to rely on that most people deal with on a day-to-day basis, there are all different sorts of doctors, right? You want your medical care to be good. But the idea that they're lowering standards for pilots and we're barely even talking about it so that they look more cosmetically diverse is terrifying to me. Terrifying. Yeah. You and anybody who flies a plane these days or flies in a plane... We've seen what instability on the world stage can do to our economy and the strength of our dollar, and the economy could turn in a big way. Plus, who knows what Biden's going to do in the next year. One former Wall Street insider thinks our dollar is headed toward a very turbulent future this year, and he's putting out the warning signs. Tika Tawari is his name, and he believes we should be taking steps on our own to protect ourselves in the event of our dollar collapse in value. It's why he's released a lengthy video online to help you prepare. Go to MoveYourCashNow.com to learn the three steps you need to take to protect and grow your wealth in the coming months and years. Look, Tika has a lot to say, a lot of research to share, and you can hear for yourself whether his argument is persuasive, but it's certainly worth paying attention to. It's worth hearing him out. Go to MoveYourCashNow.com. That's MoveYourCashNow.com, paid for by Palm Beach Research Group. Welcome back in, everybody. Um... Always great to have you with us. 800-282-2882. So here's where we are. Uh, the, one of the most compelling, uh, memes that I think you will see, uh, relating to all things Trump. And the memes, the MAGA memes are, are very strong. They're, they, that is where a lot of the Trump, uh, uh, supporters online tend to excel. Their meme game is good. Uh, you gotta get on Twitter to, or X rather to see a lot of that stuff. But, uh, one of the things that I think Trump says and that his supporters say that has real resonance is um, it's not me they're coming for. It's you. I'm just the guy standing in the way. And I think you're already seeing a change in tone right now where uh, the media is gearing up to make this not only about how Trump is, but all of his supporters. 
are a threat to the country as well. That anybody who supports, remember, this is one of the, one of the arguments, Clay, I've deployed for a long time here, which is that when they say that, you know, that, that Trump is an insurrectionist, they're also saying that if you vote for him, you're voting for an insurrectionist. You're voting for somebody who is seeking to destroy the American Republic. Uh, and there's really no way around that. And this is why, uh, here you go. And this is from Rachel Maddow, who is a leftist, but not usually one of the most, most insane leftists. I mean, you know, she's, she's actually, she's smart, but she's just wrong on, on everything. Um, here she is saying it's not just Trump. This is cut 12, but it's the overall Republican Party now. Play 12. Bolsonaro rejected in his own country, rejected by the right wing in his own country for his effort to violently overthrow the second largest democracy in the Western Hemisphere. He is celebrated by the Republican right wing in this country, rejected in his own country, celebrated by our right wingers, where the effort to violently overthrow the largest democracy in the Western Hemisphere, us, has just been taking a three year breather and they're going to put up the guy who tried it again. It is not a Trump problem. It's a Republican Party problem. This is what they want. Other right-wingers who have charismatic leaders like Trump around the world don't necessarily get behind them when they try violence to stay in power. Our Republicans do. First of all, I'm not an expert in the Brazilian election, but I, didn't they steal the election from Bolsonaro? That's a whole, that is the alley. Again, I'm not an expert on Brazilian politics either, but that is the allegation. Yes. Yeah. So, so, uh, I just put that out there that the, the, the Kami who now, what is it? Lula, I think is his name, right? Who runs, uh, runs uh, Brazil, um, stole the election. Anyway, that, that's what the allegation is out there. I don't know. Um, then again, nobody really knows who lives up here. So Rachel Maddow, though, to the point here, Clay, it's, it's Trump voters that are the problem. It's the GOP overall that's the problem. I, I just think it's good for when people hear this out loud. That's what they really think. I wish, and you've talked about this because it used to happen, I wish Rachel Maddow actually had to talk to someone like us on this show. Like I would welcome Rachel Maddow on this show. And she could argue that Trump is a unique threat to American democracy and that she thinks January 6th is an insurrection. She would say nothing that all of you out there haven't been hearing for three years. All of you are very well-versed in the arguments she would make. What I would be interested in hearing from Rachel Maddow is, okay, let's take everything that you have as an opinion about Trump and as an extension of that, the Republican Party, off the table. As you said, Buck, there are some people who are just dumb. Like, Joy Behar is not an intelligent person. I don't think she has the rational ability to analyze the larger discourse and direction of the country and make smart decisions based on precedence. I think she is a little bit like a goldfish, and she has an 11-second memory or whatever goldfish have, and she's constantly just reacting to whatever is in front of her, and there's no rhyme or reason to it. She's a partisan, and she's going to have a reliably predictable position. Okay, and forever there's a lot of Joy Behar's of the world. I'm not just trying to pick on her, but tons of people are like that. They're not actually smart enough to even understand the logic that would underpin the arguments they make on a daily basis. Rachel Maddow, I think, is different. I think she's intelligent. I wish that there was an actual conversation where you could say, okay, let's just leave aside everything you dislike about the Republican Party. Let's just take that off the table. Are you not troubled by Democrats trying to put their chief political opponent in prison for the rest of his life 
and simultaneously remove him from ballots. And the reason why I think that kind of conversation would be important, Buck, is one, it's an adult conversation. But two, it would require that there be a principle and precedent in place. And look, people can disagree with a lot of what I say and a lot of what you say, but there is a logic and principle behind it. That is, I think what I would think if Republicans were trying to put this, uh, the chief political opponent of the president in prison for the rest of his life, I would think that was a really bad precedent to set. Because the problem is once you set a precedent, it's not going to stand alone forever. You have to follow it. Mm. And, and so what would Rachel Maddow say to that? So I, I can tell you that the one point of consistency you can find when it comes to the left, usually it's all inconsistent, uh, hypocritical and arbitrary, right? That's how they do things. Like my team does it. It's good. Your team does it. It's bad. The one place where you can say the left has been remarkably consistent now for seven years is that any speak the truth here and the truth is anti-Trump. Therefore we are anti-Trump. They kind of created this like logic circle, right? They created this self-fulfilling prophecy and that's what they've done with everything. Oh, remember it, you don't hear this as much anymore. Trump is undermining our institutions. Well, now they're using our institutions to try to destroy Trump in the most obvious and egregious ways, right? You see what I mean? Like, there's no rule of politics that they haven't been willing to break in order to stop this guy. That's the one thing that I have seen from from the Democrats that has been consistent, uh, whether it's using the FBI and the and the DOJ to interfere in an election, uh, to bring charges now again. And that was 2016. Now, of course, they're doing the same thing in 2024. You go down the list. We can't even talk about Rubicons being crossed anymore. There is no Rubicon. They've crossed it so many times. And I think it's also an instructive lesson for everybody out there listening. You have to be careful that your emotional response doesn't lead to you becoming that which you dislike. And I think that the Trump response is so perfectly emblematic of Democrats being so opposed to Trump that they're willing to destroy the country to keep him from being in office and being in a position of power. And again, the Joy Behars of the world are not smart enough to really understand the historical context of the decisions that they're making. But I wonder when Rachel Maddow is going to bed at night, does she ever lay there and think to herself, we're unleashing furies that are not going to end with Trump? Because this is an important lesson for everybody out there listening. Trump is, what, 77 or 78 years old? In 15 years, the odds would be that Donald Trump is no longer going to be alive, right? Most 77-year-olds, by the time they're 92, they're not here anymore. But the precedents put in place for Trump will outlive him, and it will outlive all of us. Well, but but this is why there, there's a uh, a doomsday narrative here, and and this is you know it, it all actually lines up. Anything is justified to stop Trump because if you don't stop Trump, everything ends in this country. That is the message. There, that but, is that that you know what I mean. This is the way they view it, and so. We have no institutions left if you don't stop Trump. Therefore, stopping Trump means you can undermine or weaponize any institution, right? And But you realize, Clay, I mean, this is 
not even just in our own context, historically, politically, this is the pathway to absolutism. Anything that I have to do is justified. And, Buck, what percentage of Democrats, if Trump were assassinated, would exalt? I mean, this is the... Did you see the clip of the the journalist that got caught on uh, on audio just having a conversation between the two of them ta- making jokes about if Trump were assassinated how they would enjoy it. Did you see no, that clip that was I circulating? I didn't, I didn't see Maybe that. our staff can grab that. And look, I understand people make jokes and sometimes the jokes are off color and sometimes there's dark humor. But it had me thinking this morning as I was prepping for the show in the same way that we've seen outrageous defenses of Hamas and their brutal attack on innocent Israelis. If Trump were assassinated, I think there would be lots of people on Twitter with prominent audiences rejoicing because they believe that anything is on the table for Trump. You know, that that debate you used to see back in the day, you probably... uh, should baby Hitler have been killed, right? Have you seen that big discussion? Like, was it an internet meme? Everybody got into the discussion, everything else? I, I, I do kind of remember this, yes. Yeah, the baby Hitler. If you don't know the theme, the, you know, it's basically like a moral analysis. Hitler is so evil, even when he was a baby, would it have been justified to kill him, right? To prevent World War II, the, uh, the Holocaust, all of these different things, right? This is sort of an intellectual exercise that people have. I think that there are lots of people out there, and it's scary, that would make the argument that if Trump were assassinated, it would actually be a really great thing for the country. I think people would celebrate. Some people, I'm talking about people with real audiences. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, anti-MAGA 468 on an anonymous Twitter account on Twitter. I'm talking about like people that you see on MSNBC and CNN as analysts. I think some of them would celebrate. Let's open up lines, 800-282-2882. You know, a new year offers a fresh opportunity to organize your life and your memories. If you're like most people, somebody in your family has tucked away in the attic or in the basement or in the back of a closet, treasured photos and videotapes. You know, I was with my in-laws over Christmas. We had a great time. You might have seen the photo, five dogs. It was amazing. It was like a dog retreat, and I got to hang out with my in-laws. It was a lot of fun. But my father-in-law went through a massive box of photos and tapes so that he could send in his Legacy Box box. That's right. Legacy Box really comes in handy. It's a U.S. company based in Tennessee. They transfer everything for you by hand, return your old tapes and photos back to you within weeks, along with brand new digital files. So think about it. You get this box, right? Legacy Box makes sense. They send it to you. And then on your own timeline, there's no rush. It's not like do it in five days. Do it in whatever timeline you need. You take your old photos, you take your old videos, you put them in this box, and then you send them into our friends at Legacy Box. This is all done here in Tennessee. They do this with a lot of care and a lot of uh, of intention. They, they want this process to be as easy and straightforward for you as possible. And then they will keep you updated along the way, and they'll send you back not only the original materials, and I'll tell you, they did it for me. It's kind of nicely folded and packaged and everything. They send it back to you, but also they'll send you DVDs, thumb drive and a link so that it'll be up in the cloud. So now you can, that old photo of you, you know, playing baseball in 1958 or whatever, they can actually make it so you can share that with your grandkids. You can put that up on Facebook or if it's a video, same thing. 
Go to LegacyBox.com slash Buck to get started. That's LegacyBox.com slash B-U-C-K. You're saving 50% off the regular prices when you go to this specific link, LegacyBox.com slash Buck. Download and use the new Clay and Buck app. Listen to the program live. Catch up on any part of the show you might have missed. Use your CNB 24-7 subscription to get access to the guys. Find the Clay and Buck app in your app store and make it part of your day. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We're going to be joined by Dave McCormick. Uh, he is a Senate candidate in Pennsylvania, just went to Israel. He's going to talk with us about what he saw. Also had a great editorial, I believe it was yesterday, in the Wall Street Journal. Buck, some breaking news. Uh, new CNN poll that is out. I don't think we've talked about this so far. Um, it's getting pretty tight in New Hampshire. Uh, the new CNN poll has Donald Trump with 39% support there, Nikki Haley with 32, Chris Christie with 12, Vivek with 8, Ron DeSantis all the way down to 5. Now, a USA Today poll has uh, Trump with a 19-point lead uh, over Nikki Haley, still uh, under 50%. 
But I do think, and by the way, Chris Christie has 12 in the USA Today poll. I think this is a, a question that Chris Christie is going to have to answer. Maybe we need to get him on again and ask him as we get closer to New Hampshire. If Chris Christie truly believes that Trump is the wrong choice, which is basically what his entire campaign has been founded on, doesn't he have to drop out, Buck, and just endorse Nikki Haley if he is so anti-Trump? Because I think the yeah. idea that Chris Christie could be the nominee is out the window. If he doesn't want it to be Trump, it feels to me like it's long past time for him to decide that he has to endorse someone. Yeah, but some of these people have egos, Clay, and they like the attention and they like the numbers and they never think it's time to... You know, when was the last time you saw a politician who said, you know what, this will be bad for me personally, but I'm going to do what's best for the country. I'm not saying it never happens, but I'm saying it's pretty rare. Um, it's the ideal, but it doesn't happen very often. Yeah. By the way, I think we have that cut 30, the reporters joking about the assassination of Trump. They weren't expecting that this was going to be caught on tape. Uh, here they are. You know, the worst part is, even if he has his window open and he's hanging out of it, he'll be on the other side of the <laughs> I mean, if he's driving, we've got a good shot. Yeah, if he's driving with the front window open. Yeah. Or if it's a convertible. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't thinking about that. Yeah. Like, if he just pulls up like, like JFK. Yeah. It's like a JFK. A Lincoln. <laughs> 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 no. Okay. Now, this, oh. Maybe someone, just like they told JFK, you know what you should do? You should take a convertible. <laughs> it's so nice out here. It's so nice out. Take a convertible just like JFK. These are reporters joking about Donald Trump being assassinated. Do you doubt me at all that if Trump were assassinated, within five minutes there would be trending on Twitter a celebration on the left over his murder? I I, I have zero doubt about that. And I'm not just talking about crazy anonymous accounts. I'm talking about people that have legitimate followings. There were people who were cheering when 9-11 happened to us there were people who were cheering i mean online and, and elsewhere when the october 7th attack happened in israel i mean there yeah. are there are psychopaths who don't you know have, have any moral grounding whatsoever and so if you're asking me in this country is that a reality just like it is in those other yeah of course um and and i think that unfortunately uh this election i don't want to focus on how ugly it's going to get too much because we certainly never want to, you know, you don't want to make it a self-fulfilling prophecy where it's like, oh, everyone's just being so ugly and we're all just talking about how ugly it is all the time. It's going to get incredibly nasty because Joe Biden is a buffoon and a failure and a loser, but a lot of people's jobs depend on him. A lot of people are emotionally invested in a Democrat winning because they think that they've been really convinced that Trump is the destruction of America. The same kind of people that can be convinced every 10 years that climate change is going to, you know, exterminate the human species. These people are emotionally unstable. They're easily manipulated and they vote Democrat. <laughs> That's all true. And my goodness. When we come back. We'll talk to Dave McCormick, Senate candidate, Pennsylvania, big battleground next. More than a movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. 
to the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.